You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. My name is Scott Worthington. I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance here at Hope Church in Las Vegas. We're really honored you take some time to listen to this podcast, whether you're a new listener or old. One of the things you could do that would be really, really helpful is go online wherever you got this podcast and you can rate and review it. Uh, It just helps get the word out. It's really, really helpful. Also, just a quick note before we begin, thank you for all of you who have shared this and messaged us and let us know uh, how it's it's serving you in your leadership. Um, we got some really exciting things happening in 2020, and to start kind of kicking that off, if you didn't know, Pastor Vance actually has a book coming out. We've been really excited about this for a while here at Hope in Las Vegas and uh, excited that we get to share it all over the world. And so if you, uh, you can go online right now and pre-order that book. It's called Unburdened by Vance Pittman. The, the tagline is stop. Living for Jesus so Jesus can live through you. And so we'll be talking a lot about that next month, but um, we want to go ahead and get things rolling. So if you would just take a minute, uh, maybe pause this podcast or when you get to wherever you're driving, uh, you can go on hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. And there you can sign up for our email list. We'd really appreciate it. We got some things coming out with that. And specifically for the book, we would love to uh, pick one of those email addresses randomly. And we're going to send you a free signed copy of Unburdened sometime next month. So uh, we're trying to get that email list rocking and rolling. So go ahead and sign up for that email list. We got some things coming out in 2020. But we're going to pick somebody random uh, for Vance to sign a book to you. And we'll, we'll get your, your address. And we'll send you that free copy of Unburdened. So keep an eye out for that. Go sign up for the email list. Um, and now that we got some of the housekeeping out of the way, it's enough for me. I want to uh, turn it over to uh, the, the star of this podcast, if you will. <laughs> Vance Pittman, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. The star. I love that. That's awesome. That's so funny. I don't think my family would uh, appreciate that. But no, I'm doing great, man. We're here in the midst of the holidays. It's that season. Everything's busy. It seems like there's a buzz. Everybody's excited. Um, so it's a great time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year. I love the season of Thanksgiving, the Christmas, and just all that we're celebrating. First of all, as followers of Jesus, obviously, there's so much to be grateful for, thankful for, to celebrate, and to move our hearts to worship during the season, but also just what it means for family and friends and hanging out and doing life together. It's just a really great time of year, man. And just so uh, everyone who's listening knows, Vance Pittman loves Christmas music. If you ever want to just get to Vance's heart, just play Christmas music nonstop around Vance. Yeah, that's not like totally the whole... I do love Christmas music, but I love Christmas music for about a week around Christmas. These stations that play Christmas music for 30 and 40 days or these churches that do Christmas music for like 12 Sundays leading up to Christmas. Come on, man. We we got to do something else. So I love Christmas music. I love Christmas movies, but I love them around Christmas. I don't want it in October or in January. I need it around Christmas. That's That's respectable. That's respectable. So, man, we're excited to jump into what you're going to be speaking into today, Vance. Uh, Obviously, people saw the title of what we're unpacking today, but what's the topic of today's podcast? Yeah, today is a topic that's really born out of a series that we just finished here at Hope Church a couple of months ago 
Uh, one of the things I so love about our fellowship here at Hope is that most of the time we're teaching verse by verse expositionally through books of the Bible. I think that's important. I think God wrote it in books for a reason. I think it's important that we study it in books because we get our greatest learning understanding truth, scriptural truth in its context. So we just finished a series. It actually took us over a year through the book of Ephesians. And one of our last series, which actually, if you're interested in the topic we're going to talk about today, you can go on our website uh, and it's totally free. But we have the four messages from the series that were called, was called Battle Lines, Standing Firm in a Fallen World. It'd be under the October section of our sermon listings there on the website. But we did a series on, on what it means to to, to be engaged in the spiritual battle that's very real. Uh, and God did some powerful stuff in the life of our church. He moved, he spoke very clearly and convictingly into the life of our church uh, during that season about the battle. But I had a takeaway from that when we were bringing the series to a close, um, specifically for thinking about our leadership here at Hope Church. And I, I shared some things with our staff team uh, that you encouraged me would be great content for a podcast. So that's what we're going to be doing today, because often when we talk about um, the spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, if we're not careful, those of us in positions particularly of spiritual leadership, uh, we can kind of think that that's for them and that we're teaching this stuff to help them deal with this. But the reality is we are them. We are followers of Jesus. And as leaders, we need to be aware of the battle that's real. So this podcast is going to be directed largely to those in spiritual leadership positions. But really, if you're a Christian, whatever area of leadership you're serving in, be that business, education, sports, finance, whatever it may be, because you're a Christian, spiritual warfare is not limited to your Christian activity at church. It permeates every fabric and every detail of our lives. And so the principles are going to be transferable to everyone. But specifically today, if you're a pastor or in ministry leadership or on staff at a church or in a volunteer leadership position in a church, these principles are really going to be applicable for you. So yeah, I was in that staff meeting that Vance mentioned, and as soon as it was over, I walked up to him and I said, man, that needs to be a podcast. Really, really applicable stuff here. So very simply, Vance is going to give us four warnings for leaders in the battle. So kick it off today, Vance. Yeah, I want to start by just uh, reading a section of scripture out of the book of Ephesians. We're not going to read the whole section that is pertaining to what we would normally say is the armor of God, but Paul opens this section of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 with these words. He says, finally, and that's an important word because he's getting to the end of this long letter that he's written to the church at Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's an important word as well, that word schemes. It's a Greek word. We get our English word method or strategy from, meaning that we literally have an enemy who is developing strategic methods to bring about destruction in our lives. And that's for every one of us as leaders. But then verse 12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And I want to just point this out. Oftentimes we think about the spiritual battle that's out there, and if we're not careful in leadership, every single day we deal with flesh and blood issues. In leadership, we're dealing with people all the time, and many times because we're in positions of leadership, we're dealing with the problems that people have or the problems that people are creating, and that's for a variety of reasons. Sometimes that's because if you're in spiritual leadership, 
we're reaching people with the gospel that come out of a background of not being Christ followers. So there's a messiness that's involved in their lives or just simply the brokenness of the world system in which we live and the effects of sin in the world or the reality that we're all in a process of being sanctified, but the reality is we're not sanctified yet. So for all of those reasons, when we deal in, in, in people's lives, there's going to be a lot that we have to deal with. But what Paul is reminding us here is that spiritual battle, spiritual warfare is really not a flesh and blood issue. It's not the people that are in front of us. Paul says it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the the, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he says this, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So Paul in these verses is speaking directly to this issue of spiritual leadership. And Scott, you mentioned it. I want to give four warnings for leaders in the midst of the battle, understanding that we're in a spiritual battle that is very real. Let me give you some warnings. And here's the first one. As a leader, you are not immune from the battle. If we're not careful, we can forget that before we are leaders, we are followers. And as a follower of Jesus, we are in the battle. It's what I said a moment ago when we teach this subject matter of spiritual warfare. If you're in a position of spiritual leadership, oftentimes we teach it like it's what they need to know. But before we are leaders, We are followers of Jesus, and every follower of Jesus, Paul says, is engaged in a spiritual battle that's very real, meaning everything that Paul's teaching here, before we instruct it to others, we need to heed it in our own lives. We are not above a spiritual battle. We're not better than being engaged in the spiritual battle. We're not beyond it. We haven't gotten past it. As leaders, we are not immune from spiritual battle. The battle is real, and it's going to affect every one of our lives. Uh, Another one of the disciples, Peter, wrote about this same battle in a letter that he wrote called 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen what he said. He said, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I want to talk about a couple of things about that verse. First of all, he wrote it with an element of certainty. Listen to what he didn't say. He didn't say your adversary, the devil, might prowl about like a roaring lion. He said our enemy is prowling about like a roaring lion. There's a certainty about this battle. You may not be feeling it today, but here's what I can promise you. If you are in leadership and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know if you're listening to this right now, you are in a battle and you cannot take a moment off. The battle is real. And the scripture here says that he's literally seeking someone to devour. Scott, that's a that's an important word, that word devour. It's actually a Greek word um, that, that means to rip apart from the flesh. It's kind of that picture um, when you're watching. If you've ever watched the Discovery Channel, uh, I love to watch all those shows. But you know what I've known, noticed about watching the Discovery Channel? You never want to be the gazelle on the Discovery Channel. It's never good. There's never a gazelle week on the Discovery Channel. If you're a gazelle and you wind up on the Discovery Channel, 
things are not going to turn out good for you today. Because you know the scene on the Discovery Channel, they're having this lion episode, and here's this lion crawling along through the grass, and sure enough, there's this gazelle over there drinking out of the beautiful lake, and before you know it, that lion pounces on top of that gazelle, and he doesn't take out a fork and a knife and begin to neatly eat that meal. No, he is literally ripping flesh from bone off. It's a violent scene. That's the word devour. As a leader, you need to know there is a very real enemy out there. And he is seeking to literally rip you apart. And so based on that, there are four important realities that you need to know with this idea of you not being immune from the battle. Number one, our flesh is not getting better. It's getting worse. One of the reasons that as spiritual leaders or leaders in general that are Christians, we think that we're not capable of of falling in this area. We're not capable of going down that road because we think, man, I've got some of that stuff licked. But here's what we got to know. Our flesh is not getting better. Our flesh is getting worse. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and he says that the outer man is decaying. Yeah, the inner man's being renewed day by day, but our outer man, our flesh is getting worse. It's not getting better. We're not immune from the battle because we have a flesh, and our flesh is as wicked today as it's ever been. My flesh today is as capable of every sin under heaven. Really, it's more capable because my flesh is learning new ways to deceive me and to mislead me. So, our flesh is not getting better. We're not immune from the battle. Number two, we're not immune from the battle because our experience in leadership does not equal strength in the battle. Sometimes we think because we've been doing this thing of leadership so long and we've been walking with Jesus so long in these roles of leadership that somehow that means we're stronger than somebody else. But our experience in leadership does not equal strength in the battle. Number three, we're not immune because yesterday's grace is not sufficient for today's battle. There are no days off spiritually. We don't get to take a day off. The the reality of our flesh, the reality of the spiritual battle that's there is something that is ongoing. And just because yesterday I was with Jesus and yesterday I had a, a sweet time of intimacy with him and yesterday I experienced his grace in my life, that grace yesterday does not carry over to today. I need fresh grace from Jesus. I don't get to take a day off spiritually, even though sometimes I think I do, sometimes I think I want to. I have to fight this temptation in my own heart. Being in ministry and in spiritual leadership, it seems like we're always around Christian people. We're always around those doing Christian things. We're always around the Word of God. And if we're not careful, we can think that we get a day off spiritually. But yesterday's grace is not sufficient for today's battle. And then finally, we're not immune from the battle. And and the thing that we need to understand is that ministry is not a substitute for intimacy. Just because we're doing spiritual things... That doesn't take the place of our need to be intimate with Jesus. So the first warning that I would give for leaders is that you are not immune from the battle. That's amazing. Uh, one of the things you mentioned that that just really struck home for me personally was that idea of no days off spiritually. I remember several years ago, um, you know, we serve every day Sunday together, every Sunday together, and um, you know, I'm I'm up leading worship and I'm leading teams and and doing what we do here at Hope. And um, I remember there was something I don't know if it was a conversation we had or or, or one of these kind of staff meetings we had, but you kind of mentioned this this principle, and I immediately was convicted about specifically my 
thought about Sunday. Man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be around Christians. I'm gonna be we're gonna I'm gonna hear four sermons. I'm gonna and and my God, I slept in a little bit because man, I'm going to church. And so it was something that just God reached in my life and said, That's for you because I was taking Sundays off spiritually. And and somebody challenged me. I think it was I think it was a conversation with you, but it was like, we are getting ready to go lead these people. Yeah. And we're going to lead out of our, like, if there's a day you should get up and have your God time, you should do it every day. But Sundays, you can't, yeah. you're out of your own strength at that point. And it's just something now that over the last few years, I've made it a point, no matter how tired I am, like, man, if I'm going to go lead, I need that time alone with God. Well, you, you just said two things that are real important, and it deals with two of these issues. Number one, ministry is not a substitute for intimacy. Mm-hmm. Getting up and, and doing the job of ministry does not substitute for my desperate need for intimacy with Jesus. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Meaning today, I can't lead in ministry apart from intimacy with Jesus. But then also, and I want to just say this for a moment, just to really talk to those of you who are listening, who are pastors, ministry leaders, involved in church and and leadership, um, because so much of what you do is leading in spiritual ways when you do get those days off, one of the things that we've done at Hope Church to be very intentional about this principle of rest that we talked about a few episodes ago is that we have built in intentional days off. And when you get a day off from ministry, you can't let that be a day off from God because I still need God today. I still need his grace today to be his follower, to be a husband, to be a father. I don't just need his anointing on my work. I need his anointing on my life. And so I cannot take a day off because if I take a day off, I've opened myself up to the attack of the enemy in the the battle. As a leader, you are not immune from the battle. What's that second principle today? The second one is that as a leader, you are a primary target of the enemy. So this is kind of like doubling down on the first one. Not only are you not immune from the battle, like every follower of Jesus has to deal with the battle, but because you are in leadership, you are a primary target of the enemy. And one of the places in Scripture where you kind of see this lived out is a place in Scripture that, to, to be quite honest, is one of those sections that I got really more questions than I have answers about these verses that I'm about to read. But in Luke chapter 22, there's an interesting scene that plays out. You see the disciples with Jesus, and the most unbelievable thing is happening. The disciples are literally having an argument. I can't even picture in my mind what this looked like, but here's Jesus and the 12 men that he selected to entrust the future of the kingdom of God on earth into their hands. And Jesus is watching this. And here's what it says in Luke 22, verse 24. There arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. So here's Jesus, God in the flesh, raising up 12 men to hand them the kingdom on earth to expand the kingdom of God, and they're sitting at his feet, and the Bible calls it a dispute. It's a Greek word for the word argument or contentiousness. They're sitting here at the feet of Jesus, and they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And I can't even, I don't even know what they were using as evidence for. Well, have you ever heard me speak? Well, have you seen how many people like it when I hand them the bread and the fish? Or what is this argument about? Um, But they're arguing. So that's the context for the verse that I'm about to read. Jesus breaks into this argument and he says this. 
to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And here's what I wrote down. There's a lot I don't understand about that verse. But here's what I know. The enemy had learned through observation that Peter was a leader among leaders. The enemy knew that Peter was going to be one of the leaders of the movement that would become known as Christianity. And the enemy set his sights on him. Here's what the enemy knew. If Peter fell, it would lead to the countless failures of others. And so as a leader, he put a primary target. So for those of you listening to this, if you're a Christian and you're a leader, you need to know that the enemy has doubled down his attack on you. Because if you're a leader and you're serving outside the church and you're a leader who's public about your faith and your walk with Jesus, here's what the enemy knows. He can't destroy your salvation, but he can sure destroy your testimony and he can destroy your reputation. And if he can bring you down, all the people that you've been trying to influence for the gospel, he can bring down the reputation of Jesus in their eyes. If you're inside the church and you're in leadership... He's got his target set on you because if he can destroy you, all of those that are following you, that you're discipling, that you're leading them to follow Jesus, he can have an impact in their lives that will ripple generations to come. So there's a primary target on your back if you're in leadership, and you need to be aware of that. I mean, when I was first being uh, discipled, I mean, I was a Christian for less than a year and me and my buddy were at, at, uh, at lunch and he, and I was, I was talking to him, I started getting in leadership and stuff. And I was talking to him this, about this idea of feeling this, this battle raging. And he, he got a napkin at the restaurant where we were at. He started drawing a bunch of circles. Like it was like a, like a, like a war. And he said, man, here's where you were before you were a Christian or right when you became a Christian and he, and he drew a, a, an arrow up to like the front lines. He said, now you're, you're becoming yeah. a place of a leader and people on the front lines are the first ones to be attacked. Yeah. And as you were just talking, I thought, man, that was, I felt that and I feel that. Uh, and so that is, is such a good warning for us. So as leaders, you are not immune from the battle as leaders. You are a primary target of the enemy. What's that third warning today, Vince? The third one is, as a leader, you need to know when you are most vulnerable. The reality is that all of us have weaknesses. And if you don't understand that as a follower of Jesus, you have a flesh, and because of your flesh, you have weaknesses. Now listen, all of our weaknesses are going to be different. They're unique to who we are. They're unique to... Areas in our life where we've disobeyed God, we've stepped across boundaries and opened our heart up to things that it should have never been opened up to. So, so it's unique to who you are. It's unique to how you're wired. It's unique to how you've been raised. It's unique to the culture that you come from. But the bottom line is every one of us need to understand we all have weaknesses. Sometimes because we're leaders, we can think because we have leadership gifting and strengths in areas that that compensates for our weaknesses, but it doesn't. We still have weaknesses. We still have areas where we are vulnerable, and you need to know where those areas are. Uh, so you got to determine when you're most vulnerable. For me, I've identified three areas where I know and three times really when I'm most vulnerable. For me, number one, it's when I'm tired. Ministry leadership can be exhausting. 
And when I'm tired, I'm vulnerable. Often after some of the greatest moments in ministry, I can experience some of my greatest temptations and struggles. Literally, it's walking down off the mountaintop experiences with God where I personally can experience some of my darkest longings in my heart. For example, Sundays are those mountaintop days for us in spiritual leadership, those involved in pastoral ministry. Uh, Sundays are just great days. We get to come together with the people of God. We get to preach the Word of God. We get to worship. We get to celebrate. But for me, a long day in ministry on a Sunday is exhausting, and I can get home on Sunday nights, and that can be in those moments of when I'm exhausted and tired, when I can have some of the deepest, darkest longings of my heart that I thought, man, we're dead and gone, begin to surface, and I begin to struggle. So I've identified that when I'm tired physically, I'm vulnerable to attack spiritually. Secondly, when I'm lonely, leadership can be lonely. Leadership can be lonely. It's it's lonely if it's ministry leadership. It's lonely if it's leadership in business or in education or in uh, any other field in, in society. Because when you're in leadership, you can begin to think nobody else can understand what's on my plate. Because usually the higher you are in leadership, the, the more narrow the pyramid gets at the top of the organization. And there are fewer people that are walking in the shoes that you're walking in. So you can begin to feel very lonely. And I found in my life, when I begin to kind of wallow in that loneliness, or I'm in one of those seasons where I feel like nobody understands, that's when I can be vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. That loneliness becomes a little bit of a justification in my flesh for me to give in and lean into something that I know I shouldn't, but I, the loneliness, my, my flesh can wield that as a sort of justification to say, come on, you look how much you do. You get a pass here. The third one for me is when I'm needy. All of us have needs. All of us have needs in different areas, but you need to know where your needs are. And for me, when I'm tired, when I'm lonely, or when I'm needy, that's when I've found I'm most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Like I said at the beginning, this is going to be unique to you. You've got to figure out when you're most vulnerable. And then when you do, here's the challenge I want to give you. The first thing you got to do, number one, is what I just said. You need to identify your areas of vulnerability. You need to find out when you are most vulnerable. Then when you've done that, secondly, you need to set safeguards and accountability. Wisdom demands safeguards and accountability in areas of vulnerability. That's a dominant theme in the book of Proverbs, that we put safeguards and boundaries in place to guard us in areas of vulnerability. Let me give you a couple of real practical examples of what I'm talking about. So I said a moment ago, for me, Sunday nights after a long day of ministry can be one of those moments when I feel like I deserve a little time off from God. I'm tired. I can be a little bit... Uh, focused on me and the needs that I have. And if I'm not careful on Sunday nights after a long day of ministry, I can go home, let everybody go to bed. I can sit up late, start watching Sports Center, and then <laughs> you drift to another channel, another channel. Before you know it, you're letting your heart wrap around something on television that you know is not pleasing to God. You know it's not honoring uh, to Him. It's not something that's pure and right and passes the Philippians 4 8 test. 
uh, and I recognize that that was an area of real weakness for me and vulnerability. So here's what I did. Um, when my wife goes to bed on Sunday night, I go to bed. Not always sleepy because after a long day of ministry, I'm exhausted, but I'm not necessarily ready to go to bed yet. I'm wired. I'm amped. But I've just found for me that when she goes to bed on Sunday night, I need to go to bed on Sunday night as a safeguard and accountability in my own heart to guard my heart. Another example of this is something that I've done just recently on my vacation this past summer. God began to convict me about some new areas uh, in my heart that, 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 that God was exposing as it pertained to social media. There's this whole thing in social media of liking posts and other people liking your posts and 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 our flesh wants to be liked. Our flesh wants to be celebrated. And I found myself in that liking of posts and watching to see who was liking my post. I found my flesh beginning to kind of wallow in that. Um, and it began to really dominate my, my schedule, my day. And it began to kind of creep into every when I had a, a free moment, I'd grab the phone and, and check that. And so what I did recently um is I had my wife go into my screen time settings, and there's some settings on your phone where you can go in and you can put limits on how many minutes per day you'll have access to social media accounts. And then you can also put limitations. For example, for me, after 9 o'clock at night, before 7 o'clock in the morning, I can't access social media accounts. So, And I've given my wife, she has the code. I don't even know what the code is. If I wanted to change it, i got to find my wife, get her to enter the code. Uh, And I did that not because... The Bible says you have to have a code on your social media accounts. I did that because I knew an area of, area of vulnerability in my own heart, and I needed to put safeguards and accountability in place to protect and guard the areas where I'm vulnerable because I'm not immune from the battle and because I'm a primary target of the enemy. I have to be careful in that area of my life. And then here's the, the, the third part of the challenge. You need to identify these areas of vulnerability. You need to set safeguards and accountability. And number three, you need to maintain sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean by that. As you begin to live out this principle of safeguards and accountability in these areas of vulnerability, there are going to be moments where the Holy Spirit of God just prompts your heart. And here's what I'm telling you. In this particular area, when the Holy Spirit begins to speak and convict, it may even be the slightest voice. Here's what you got to do. Don't delay. You need to run. In those moments, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit of God because you're vulnerable. You know that. You've put the accountability in place. When you sense the voice of the Holy Spirit, like in the Old Testament, um, when Joseph was confronted by Potiphar's wife, man, she grabbed him and she was left holding his coat. She didn't. He didn't stay for a second. He took off running. And that's the kind of sensitivity you and I need to have to the Holy Spirit in these areas of vulnerability, because we know we're weak and because we know we're a primary target and because we know we're not immune from the battle, we must give heed to the voice of the Holy Spirit in those moments. So as a leader, you need to know when you are most vulnerable. I just want to say I appreciate you, Vance, just sharing. Um, the reality is we don't hear a lot of leadership podcasts where people are talking about their weaknesses, but we all have them. Like you said, every leader listening has weaknesses. So that's amazing. I really appreciate your transparency, and hopefully that was helpful for you as you listen. As we finish up today, what's that fourth and final warning? Yeah, the fourth one is, is, is short, but it's just as important. As a leader, you need the prayers of others in the battle. Paul writes this great treatise that we know as the book of Ephesians. He closes the book of Ephesians with this section on spiritual warfare, and then he closes the section on spiritual warfare with a section on prayer. 
And Paul's doing that for a couple of reasons. Number one, because prayer is one of the primary weapons involved in fighting this spiritual battle. It's the most powerful weapon that God's given us, this weapon of prayer. Not that prayer is powerful, but the one to whom we pray is powerful, and he's the one that can give us victory in the battle. But in verse 19 of chapter 6, listen to what Paul says, this great warrior of the faith. He says, and I'm reading this to you out of the message. He said, and don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Did you hear that? Paul knows that he's engaged in the battle. He knows that he's not immune. He knows that he's a primary target. He knows that he's vulnerable. And so he asked the people to pray for him. And listen to the two things he asked them to pray for, that he'd know what to say and he'd have the courage to say it. If you were going to ask me, what are the two things Paul didn't need to be prayed for? It's what does he need to say and the courage to say it? Because everything we read in the Bible is what he said. And all these times he's saying it, he's doing it so courageously. And yet Paul knew, man, I'll fail miserably in the battle without the prayers of others. He needed others to pray for him. This is the great apostle Paul. And yet he says, man, in the context of spiritual battle, I need you to pray for me. So here's two closing questions. Who do you know that is praying for you regularly? If you're in leadership, I have some people that I've enlisted in my life that I know are praying for me consistently, daily, weekly. They are praying for me. I need them to pray for me in the battle. If you're listening to this and you're in leadership, who do you know that is praying for you regularly? And if you don't have names coming to your mind right now, you need to rectify that. You need to be able to say, I know guys like I knew. I know Terry. I know Daryl. I know some guys who are praying for me consistently. And then secondly, have you informed them how to pray? I've given the guys that pray for me regularly specific scripture that deals with areas of weakness and vulnerability in my own heart. Um, for example, there's a verse in Psalms that says, uh, let not the hand of the wicked or let not the foot of pride come upon me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. I understand that I have an enemy within that is my own sinful pride and I have an enemy without that's the hand of the wicked. So I've given guys that are praying for me that verse of scripture so they can pray specifically for me in areas of vulnerability in my own life. There are verses where Paul praise about preaching. I've given them specific instruction for how to pray. So who's praying for you? And have you given them biblical counsel on how to pray for you? Because you're not immune from the battle. You're a primary target of the enemy. You need to know where you're vulnerable and you need to have the prayers of others in the battle. Such good stuff. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Again, share it with somebody. Maybe get your leadership team together and talk about it. Uh, we have been loving just the feedback and everything you've been sharing about this podcast. So I uh, hope you had a great 2019. We cannot wait for all that God is going to do through this podcast and through Vance's ministry in 2020. So we will see you in January on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.